Beloved, you are about to listen to another enlightening and life-transforming teaching by Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna, the senior pastor at the Pliro Nation Accra, Ghana. We pray that you are blessed watching this video or as you listen via our podcast station. Stay connected and grace to you. Jesus is Lord. We share the word entitled by the help of the Holy Spirit, Save the Lord Christ. Save the Lord Christ. Amen. Uh, many of us have heard about the subject of service. We commit, some of us have called it kingdom service. We have different different designations we give to be praise God for the Lord. Now, so the subject of serving God has been taught over the ages in the church of Jesus. Plus, it is not a new subject, I believe you know that. It's not a new subject, it's an old subject, it's, it's a very old subject. Uh, date back, uh, date back to even before Jesus came. Amen. Before Jesus came to the earth, serving the Lord has been there. Amen to Jesus. Now, despite the numerous teaching doled out on this subject over the years, it is yet to be understood and practiced by many. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Now, why some do not understand it at all, as a result of that, they do not practice it. Um, others claim to understand it, but they do not practice it. Amen to Jesus. So, when you have some who do not understand, so they don't practice. Others, they understand, yet they don't practice. Um, and then, um, we have others who claim to understand it, but practice it with wrong motives. So, number one, we have the first category of people who do not understand. Um, so they don't even, you can't practice what you don't understand. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. And then number two, we have those who understand but don't practice. They tell you, they can explain it to you, they can describe it to you, they can expatiate on it to you, but they don't practice it. Are we together? So those who understand but don't practice. And then there's a third category, those who understand and practice but with the wrong motive. These are the most dangerous ones. Over the time in my work with the Lord and in the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus, uh, and in um, church ministry, I've seen this category of people in large number of them. Amen to Jesus. Amen. In fact, on the larger group, those are the kind of category of people I've seen. Um, let's not go to the aspect of eye service. Um, eye service is one aspect of this category of people. But there's another aspect where they come to serve God for something. Are you getting what I'm saying? Um, 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 they come because they tell they, they want the pastor to take care of their needs. They come because they want the pastor to give them money. They come because they want the pastor to, 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 to clothe them, to pay their house rent, to give them a job. And every you know what I'm saying? And every of that I remember I was looking up on, on social media and somebody was Actually, he said, what, what business can a pastor do to support his work? And now, when I look at all those platforms, I, 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 get, I get laughing. Why? Because I don't see that we, all you have out there is a bunch of, you know, funny set of people. Very funny set of people. And people were lambasting the guy left, right, and center. And one of them told, you see, they were actually not giving the person solutions. They were actually just hitting at the person. I get what I'm saying, number one. Number two, some of them were just puffing out their stupidity and foolishness. For me, because uh, when somebody asks a question, I think if you don't have an answer, you keep quiet. And somebody said, you have to get a business running. Okay, he asked him, he said, I need a business. So you ask him, you don't reply him, he has to get a business running. And the person comes and says, because you have to uh, get finances for yourself and also use your finances for your members. 
said, remember Jesus was feeding 5,000 and 4,000. I always ask the question, was he happy that Jesus was feeding 5,000? Was he happy that Jesus was feeding 4,000? That's the question I have to ask. Number one. Number two, Jesus, was it before he started teaching them that he failed to fed them? Or was it after teaching them he fed them? And so, if we don't have the right answer to this question, we'll make a mess of the calling of God on our lives. And then he said, you know that there are many pastors in your community. If you don't give them finances, they will go to another pastor. That's a stupid approach towards Christianity. That is a stupid approach towards God. So somebody comes to church, says he wants to serve God because he has a motive, so I will walk and not give to him. Apostle Paul even said, let everyone let to work with their own hands. <laughs> Everyone, what me, I am working. He said he is working. So everyone, learn to go work with your own hands. So I work and then I now fall the lazy drone. I work and now support laziness in the church of Jesus. I work and now support nonchalance. Because such kind of people, when you begin to fall them, you are raising nonchalant people, you are raising lazy people, you are raising fools in the church of Jesus. And they will say the same word that will cause havoc to the work of the Lord. So I'll work just to fund somebody who has chosen to be lazy. Two hands, two legs, yes, lazy. No, no, no. To me, that's stupidity. That's not the gospel. That's not by all means get some. If you don't want to walk, you can go to where they will fund you. I cannot say, but just don't forget something that it comes at a cost. <laughs> Nobody is going to give his hand any money for free. Nobody will do that. It's going to come at a cost. Yeah, it would. Amen. And so many people go with wrong motives to serve God. Wrong motives, just serving God. I saw it, I've seen it in ministry, I've seen it in church ministry, I've seen it, I've seen people do it. They have wrong motives. And when they are true with their wrong motives, when they see that they cannot achieve their purpose, what they do is that they begin to say things like, he's not caring, he doesn't love, they don't show kindness. Why? Because their motives are not right. If I am serving God and God am seeing at least the benefits of serving God, why should you serve God and not see the benefits? It means motives are wrong. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. And there are others who also claim to understand it and practice it rightly. So we have these four categories. Number one, those who do not understand it at all, and those who understand it but not practice it. Those who practice, who understand it but practice it with wrong motives. The Bible says God judges the heart and not the action. Praise God forevermore. So I remember once I'm teaching children, I told them your motives, your motives. When you begin to come out, straight to those aspects. You see that people begin to, they begin to guide, they begin to create a shield to that aspect of, of, of them. Your motives, why are you serving God? In quotes, praise God forevermore. And if your motives are not right, your service is not right. Praise God forevermore. Now the purpose of this study is to understand what serving the Lord Christ means and how it is done in line with the will of God. Now Colossians 3 verse 24 is an anchor scripture. It says, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. For ye serve the Lord Christ. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Praise God forevermore. 
Hallelujah to God. Now, so he says, you know it of the Lord, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. But there's something called the reward of the inheritance. Amen to Jesus. And um, um, the reward of the inheritance is given because why? You serve the Lord Christ. Now, so that's one of the challenges we are. When people do not have this understanding, and there's something called the reward of the inheritance, they serve the Lord Christ for different reasons. That's why the motives could be wrong. Are you not saying? The motives could be wrong. I'm not against encouraging people. I'm not against uh, helping people when you can help them. But if the motive for people serving is helps, encouragement, then it is not right. That means they are not serving for the reward of the inheritance. Every one of us is meant to serve for what? The reward of the inheritance. And that reward of the inheritance is not given by your pastor. It's not given by your unit leader. It's not given by any human being. It's given by the one you are serving. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so when this orientation is right, everything is right. Are you getting me? Yeah. And when it is wrong, everything is wrong. You see, people say, I've been serving God, I've been serving God, I've been serving God, but you see, this thing is not working, it's meant to work. You have to check it, check, check yourself real. Check your motives. Are your motives right? Amen to Jesus. Amen. Or do you want to understand what it means to serve? Are you getting me? Because the motive is the end result of the understanding of service. Are we together? Yeah. Now, so if you don't understand what service means, your motives will always be wrong. Quote me anywhere. If you don't understand what service and that is what, that means what? A large percentage of Christians lack understanding of what service is. Are you getting me? Yeah, yeah a lot, a lot, lot um, when I mean like, I mean a large percentage, even so, and are giving testimonies, they don't still understand what they are doing. Are you getting me? Some said, I, I did this and the Lord did this, oh, I did this and I got this. They still, they are, they, are, they are not still understanding what service means. And that's what this teaching people understand. They have a testimony, but let me tell you something. I've always made people understand that by, 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 from the truth of God's word, that result is not absolutely, does not absolutely prove that it is what? The right thing. The fact that you are getting results does not actually prove that absolutely that you are doing the right thing. Example, why do I say so? God told Moses the first time to use his rod and strike the rock. He used the rod and he struck the rock and water came out. The second time God told him, now speak to the rock. And Moses in anger did what? He struck the rock. But water still what? Came out. Yeah. And somebody will say, what does it matter? All that matters to us is what? Water. So long as water comes out, whether it's strike or it's book, it doesn't matter. And that's where the Christian faith has a lot of issues. We do not care about the precisions of scriptures. We do not care about the precisions of the precepts and the way of the Lord. We only care about his result. And a result-driven church is a church that in no distant time will be acts followers and not way followers. Mm. The Bible says God showed his act to the children of Israel and his ways he showed to Moses. We have a generation of Christians who want the act. All we care for is result. And we hear things like result is what silence insult. Yes, you are right. But my brother, result can silence insult. But does it necessarily mean that it is in line with the will of God? When that happened, God told Moses, you are dis He said, You have dishonored me in the sight of the people. 
in the sight of the people, you dishonored me. He didn't say you dishonored me before you said, no. The issue was not between God and Moses. The issue was between God and what? The people. And one of the real problems with results is that result is people driven. That results. Results we always silence. So people are mocking me. So God has shown them that my God. When our life is driven by what people have to say, we'll be result driven. But when our life is driven by what God has to say, we will be what? Precision driven. Moses speak to the rock. Precision. He struck the rock. For some of us, all we care about is the water. We don't care about the instruction. And God is a God of precision and instruction. If we must know his ways, we must be people of what? Precision and what instruction, and that's why that's why I want to make us understand that uh, uh, the, 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 end, the understanding service is what determines whether your motives are right, and it's what determines whether your results are even in line with the ways of God. The Bible says in the days of ignorance, the Lord gave. When, when we come at the days of ignorance, some of us think it's just the Old Testament. No, even in this time, there are we are still in days of ignorance. What do I mean? We, according to your level of spiritual maturity, you are, you are either in your ignorant days or you are in your what? Your wisdom days. I began to talk to the Lord about it, but I said, Lord, when I, when there was a, when I just, you know, I think um, my late teens, 17, they're about, when I began to, you know, enter into Prayers and all those supernatural I just, you know, throw hands in front of the anointing, lay hands in front of the anointing, my jacket in front of the anointing, and then whenever I need anything, I just make declaration and it happens. Declare, it happens. Declare, it happens. Declare, it happens. Remember when I want to go for my national uh, NYC? I remember I told the Lord, okay, I said, okay, now this is what I want. I want to do a, 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 an auditing. I want to do an auditing. I want to do an auditing firm for two years and then work with the financial institution for two years. I work with the marketing, marketing institution for one year. That makes it five years. And then I'm not going to start now. See, as I was declared, it was just something like that. I remember when, 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 when we, 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 we put and I was posted to, 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 to Delta State, people were like, ah, they thought I, I, I worked it. And I was like, ah, I didn't do anything. I don't have any business with it. And when I was there, I remember in the orientation camp, I was just telling, um, um, and the, the Lord, when, 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 it, when, I, when I told the Lord, whatever you take me, I'm fine. And then the Lord told me, and I saw that it was Delta State, school in Benin City, when we were trying to work the opposite, I didn't do it, I don't have any business working opposite. I saw myself in Delta State, school in Benin, and then <laughs> went to do national service in Delta State. I was born in Delta State, worry. So it was Benin, worry, but Delta State was just a stone through. And then, um, I remember in orientation camp, I was just telling one young chap like that when he saw my Bible once, he took that Bible, he, he had to start studying my Bible because he saw a lot of markings in Genesis. You know, I told the young man, we're just talking, when they're giving us our um, primary assignment, uh, letter for primary assignment, we're to do our primary assignment. As we're giving that, I was just saying, guys, I told him, see, I'm having a, a feeling that, you know, it's going to be worried. And I don't want it to be worried. I want to go to somewhere, go to, I don't want to go to, no, I don't want to go to, I'm having this feeling that it's going to be worried, but I don't want to be worried. They gave me my letter. I took my letter. I was looking for my place of primary assignment, looking for it. And the young man picked the letter. And he shouted, worry! 
was shocked that there was the precision in my spirit that knew what the place would be. And I was like, when I went to the place of national security, I said, God, in my, in my uh, community development group, I want to be the president. You know what? They put me in another community development group. In that group, somehow, they chose a president. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. They chose a president for that group, and I was not president. And so what happened was that they had to change my group and created a new group for me. And as they created a new group, I and one of my friends that are all of a sudden we just started a group and they made me the president. So I was not saying things that they were going the way I wanted. Are you getting what I'm saying? Truly, I got, as I saw worry, they gave me an auditing firm. I got auditing firm. After auditing firm, I worked with a, with a firm to full management organization, which was finance and also marketing. Those things were good as I wanted. But after a while, everything just went haywire. It all scattered. And then, it was no longer going the way I wanted. And now to start saying, God, what do you want? Lord, what do you see? What are you saying? Now, when we are growing, when a baby is growing, anything he asks is the mother, the mother gives. Is that not so? Yes. The mother gives. But even when they say, ah, this food is too much, I beg, let the child carry and let me have peace of mind. But as the child begins to grow, when the, when the baby asks for sweet, the mother gives, but the child begins to say, no, no, sweet, no, you can't take sweets now. Why? At that baby stage, the father, the mother was winking. But as the child begins to mature, the mother stops winking. The mother starts speaking, looking for what? Precision. Are we together? And so, even some of us, as we are, God is still winking. We are having things just go the way we want, and God is winking. We are celebrating results, God is winking. But there is a level God is taking us to where He will no longer be winking. At that level, it is precision. You will cry and fight and jump and fast after everything all said and done. He will still tell you this is the way it's to be done. I don't say. And that's why I'm right understanding of service will make you align for the precepts and the precision of the Father. It will make you align for the direction of the Father. If you have a wrong understanding of what service is, when the Father is beginning to take you to the maturity stage of precision, you will keep fighting with him and you will not be able to what? Achieve precision. Are you getting me? There was once a gentleman told me something. He said, the end, he said, the next level of the Father is not trial and error. He told me the next move of the Father is precision, 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 precision. And I'm better to make understand that the end time move of the Father is not results. The end time move of the Father is souls who can hear directions, hear directives, and walk with precision. So if you are result driven, if you are people driven, oh, what do people have to say? God, God proved my enemies wrong. Like one after I saw on television, I said, give me fish that will shape my enemies. God proved my enemies wrong. God, it, God is not against that. God, they are mocking me. God glorified. God is not against that. But God is bigger than proving his point to men. Are you not saying? Yeah. If I even God, you are bigger than proving a point to men. Is the most infinitesimal part of spiritual maturity. But you know what? The church has held on to results and we have refused to mature. That's not my emphasis. Let me go to my emphasis. What does it mean to serve? From reality on what it means to serve, we will get the meaning of serve and servant using the Greek um, meanings, the Greek words for them, and then from the biblical, uh, pers- historical biblical perspective, praise God forevermore. Now the word service from the Greek word, uh, 
Golo. And Golo means Steya defines it as what to be a slave. It, may, it also defines that to serve or to do service. That's the service of a nation in subjection to another nation. Metaphorically, it means to obey and to submit. In a good sense, to yield obedience. In a bad sense, of those who become slaves, to submit power, to yield to, to give oneself up. Are we together? Hallelujah. So basically, um, you means to be a slave. Are we together? To serve simply means to be what? A slave. And to do service. And it also means to obey, to submit. That is to yield in obedience or to yield by force. Praise God forevermore. Now, so strong definition defines it as to be a slave. To be what? A slave. Now, look at one word keeps coming up, both a dear definition and strong definition. What is that word? Slave. 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 Slave, keep that at the front of your mind. Front, center, back, around, slave, slave. Some of some who are watching contacting understand the little slave. Are you getting what I'm saying? Alright. Okay. Um, so what does it mean to serve? To serve simply means to be a slave to the one being served. Are we together? To be a slave to the one being served. In other words, it entails yielding in obedience to the one that is being served. Are we together? Praise God forevermore. Now, a servant pause is from the Greek word, the word servant is the word dolos. You see, we are saying serve here, and then we are saying dolos. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. So uh, the word servant from the Greek is the word, uh, word dolos. And dolos means a slave. A born man, a man of several condition. Metaphorically, it means one who gives himself up to another's will. One who does what? Gives himself up to another's will. Will. <laughs> Amen. He said, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his course of You see, what? <laughs> when? <laughs> you see, the, the word there is one, the one who gives himself up to another's will. Then to explain one who gives himself up to another's will, he says, those who service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men, so include apostles as slaves of Christ. Are you noticing? Everyone that Christ would use to extend and advance his cause on among men is what a slave of Christ. Praise God forevermore. It means devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. These words are heavy because these are the main emphasis of this teaching. Now, over the years, we have taught service with an opinion mentality, with from the uh, benefits point of view. There are two ways we that teach it. We teach it from benefits point of view, or we teach it from opinion mentality. But now we have to um, um, from this teaching, we are bringing it from the right mentality. Are we together? Yes. From the right mentality, one who gives himself up. To another's will. That means he has no will of his own. He has sold out his will.
not going to what is called bond servant. Is it in the course of uh, 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 commanding the year, please join in? We're going to be staying on this. Amen. I'm going to be staying, I don't want to stay because there's a lot, there are quite a number of things that I was, I was looking up when I was studying. And I said, if I do this, I'm going to take a lot of time. So we're breaking them down as we go on. Yeah, we're breaking them as we go on. But what we need to know here is that the slave has given up his will to those who is serving. Amen. Amen. And he has what? Devoted himself to another to the disregard of his own what? Interest. So the slave has no regard for his own interest. Are you going to say? Praise God. Hallelujah. It also means a servant and an attendant. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Now from the above meanings of the word save and servant in the Greek, we can see that Serve and servant just entails what? A slave. A slave. A servant is a slave. To serve is to carry out the act of what? A slave. Are you getting me? Yes. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then from historical Bible facts, you are meant to understand that the word usually translated as servant in the New Testament actually means slave. <laughs> Are you getting me? In Kodemi's word, there is nothing like servant in the in the in this word in the Bible, praise God. It's actually a slave. It's actually a slave. That is the right word used, especially in the New Testament. Are we together? So the word translated servant is actually what? Slave. And it referred to someone who was owned or controlled by someone else. Not just merely a servant hired to do a certain job. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you getting me? Yes. It refers to someone who was owned. It's not about ownership here. The, the slave master owns the slave. And he controls the slave. A servant could be somebody just hired to do a job. He just hire him to pay, do a job and then he pay him and he goes. Are you getting what I'm saying? It, it's basically in our modern in our modern day, yeah, it, 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 they call it a, a, a handyman, a workman. A, a whatever, you get what I'm saying? If someone can be hired in those in the, in, in the old uh, in the New Testament days, the Bible, if someone can be hired to do job and go. But when this servant is under this master, he's not a servant, he's a slave. This, the master owns him. The master controls him. In fact, from study, he wants to discover that the master can do whatever he wants with the slave, even less to killing him or selling him off. So he, the slave has no will of his own. The master's will is what is his will. Whether he likes it, like um, um, one of the pastors there used to say, either he likes it or yes. Amen. Either he likes it or yes. Not on God's now because you don't have an option. He just has to do the will of God. Whether he enjoys it or not, he has to do the will of his master. That's what service is all about. So we don't have servants of the Lord, we, we serve the Lord Christ. We actually say we are slaves of the Lord Christ, of the Lord Christ. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Now back then, slaves had no freedom. And their owners could do with them whatever they wanted, including selling them to someone else. No freedom. Are you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No freedom. See, the Christianity that displays to us the card of freedom is the mission. 
<laughs> That's why liberal Christianity is the highest point of delusion. Can you not say? Because if we actually serve the Lord Christ, we don't have the will. <laughs> Say you have the perfect will of God and you have the will of God. No, you only have will be the will of God. There's another thing called the will of man. But God does not have a perfect will. God only has a perfect will. Uh, Romans uh, 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, only and acceptable to the Lord which is of reasonable service. Be not conformed to the Lord when you transform by the will of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The will of God is good for us. And good for God is acceptable to God. So when we do it, God is as God accepts it. And it is perfect in God's sight and perfect for us. Now that is the only will that stands from God's point of view. Any other thing is called man's will. God does not be permissive. The only permissive will that God has is good, acceptable, and perfect. That literally permits. Anything that is outside that he did permit, you took your will. And as slaves of Christ, we don't have the will. Slaves don't have wheels. Yes. Slaves carry out their master's will whether they like it or yes. Are you what Yes. So who are we serving? So whose slave are we? Simple. Colossians 3 verse 24. He says, for he serve the Lord Christ. The Lord Christ is the one we are serving. Jesus Christ is the one we are saving. Are we together? Yes. So this makes us understand that we are slaves of the Lord Christ. We are what? I know some people may not like this teaching, but I tell you, it's a, it's, it's, I'm going somewhere and I'll make you understand why, why, why this teaching is going this way and how important it will be for all of us. Especially the, this new generation Christians, especially for this generation, I'm telling you, this, this is going to help us a great deal. The opinionistic Christianity. Sometimes I go on social media and I see people with their different opinions. And I'm like, Lord have mercy. I think we just take scriptures, look uh, letterly. You want to see the letter, letter, the spirit in their life. You don't know the background information behind you. I remember I was speaking to the pastor once, and I told him, for you to be able to teach the word of God well, you must know what was in the mind of the author before you teach the script, that, 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 that chapter, or that verse, or that book. And he told me, how we someone know what's in mind? I said, that is where our work is as ministers of the gospel. That's where our work is as teachers of the word. We have to know the mind of the author. When Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, what was in his mind? What was happening in the church of Ephesus? What was happening that he wrote there? When he was writing to the church in Corinth, what was happening? When he was writing to the church in Rome, what was happening? When he was writing to the church in Colossae, what was happening? Why was this subject brought out that women do not talk in public? Why did Paul say that? I've seen people writing that women don't talk in public. If you talk, you have disobeyed God. If you talk, you have disobeyed God. You don't obey all these eyes. Don't put a cup out of his eyes. Sorting them. Says it's only about that. Please, you have a mental problem. It's a serious problem here. It's a problem here. And let me tell you something. Same thing behind speak to the rock. Sorry, strike the rock and speak to the rock. Same force behind it that made Moses 
strike Israel as weak. It's the same force that makes people take scriptures verbally and starts to flog themselves. Carry scriptures verbally and use that hammer to hit themselves on the head. You take a teacher of grace and turn his teaching to the legalistic teacher. <laughs> I don't understand where you're coming from. I mean, you see, you see some just pick up one line and they begin to take it and run with it and I'm like, I just, I just keep quiet and I, and I look and I laugh. I get what I'm saying? Well, the reason why this has happened is because most of us do not have this understanding as we walk with the Lord Jesus. Because if you have this understanding that you are the seed of the Lord Christ, you will take, you will do the necessaries to ensure that what? You get all the required information before you run. Are you getting me? Yes. Yeah. I'm not going here. Let's not stay here. So we understand that we are slaves of the Lord Christ. Now, understand this. By new birth, we are made heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. This gives us a place in the family of God as children of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, by new birth, and new birth is also an act of adoption. We did, uh, we did the spirit of adoption this year. We, we did some studies on it, and I, I encourage you to go check them out. Very powerful teaching. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so by new birth, we are made children of God. We are made heirs of God. Are we together? Now, and we are sons of God. That gives us our place in the family. And many of us like that place more than anything. We are children of God. We are heirs of God. We are joined in this with Christ. Wow. We enforce our sonship. We enforce our heirship. We enforce our childrenship. All the sheep we enforce it. That's the aspect of God that we love the most. Where we can enforce our birthrights. Yeah. Like having rights to life. Having rights. We, we started teaching on the Holy Spirit came to make us understand our rights in Christ. And we understood it from a different light. Are you know what I'm saying? Many of us like that aspect, and it's good, it's beautiful, it's actually, that's what we are meant to do. Amen to Jesus. Now, so we are, we are children of God, and um, same with Jesus is the Son of God, and the first begotten from the dead. We are sons of God. Romans 8, verse 17 says, If children, then heirs, heirs of God that join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Are you getting what I'm saying? So by new birth, we are what? We are children of God. We are heads of God. Join heads with Christ. That is by new birth. Are you getting what I'm saying? We are, we are adopted into the family of God. That is our status. That is our state. That is our, our, our position in the family of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, but there is another aspect to our Christianity. There's another aspect to our redemption. We have the aspect of family. And we also have the aspect of what? Of responsibility and duty. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. We have the aspect of family and we have the aspect of duty. Even in the family, we have the aspect of duty. Are you getting what I'm saying? So by new birth, we are children of God, we are heirs of God, and joined heirs with Christ. But by duty, we are slaves of Christ. Even as Jesus was the suffering servant of the Father God on the cross. Are you not saying? He fulfilled all the demands of the Father God, who, who was his master on the cross, when he cried, it is finished. Now, the word it is finished here is a, is a Greek term, and it is used in three situations. Number one, it is used um, um, in a contract, 
when all terms of the contract have been satisfied, it is the 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 the, 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 the right tetelest time. Terius, which means it is finished. All terms have been satisfied. Number two, it is used in war. When the, 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 the victorious side wins the war, they come out and say, Tetelestine. Tetelius, it is finished. Are we together? And then number three, it is used by a servant. When his master sends him to carry out a task, and he accomplishes the task in totality, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing left, he goes back to his master and says, Tetelestai, which is what? It is what? Finished. Now, when Jesus was on the cross, he was not the Son of God. When Jesus was on the cross, he was not the Son of Man. When Jesus was on the cross, he was the suffering servant. And as a suffering servant, he, he carried, out his, carried out his duty to the Zenith. And by carrying out his duty to the Zenith, he said, Tetelestai, when he finished. We meant what? It is what? Finished. The task has been accomplished. Now, so, the Bible says, though he was his son, he let obedience from the things. Now, so, and the Bible says, John 3, Steve, but also not the one that he gave me, so he begot the son, that so that believe that he should not pray for that, that, that. So, this is St. Jesus. He is the son of God. Are you going to say? But he had a task of reconciling all things to the Father. Are you going to say? And in carrying out that, carrying out that task, he didn't carry it in the status of the Son of God. He carried it in the status of what? The suffering servant. Now, in this kingdom, in this family of God, in, when, when we are born into the family, in the place of exercising our spiritual rights, in the place of taking the benefits of what belongs to us, we stand as souls. But in carrying out the task of reconciliation, we do not stand as souls, we stand as servants. Better put, suffering servants. More better put, suffering slaves. Because Jesus was not just a servant of the Father, he was the born servant. Go to the book of Psalms, he talked about the prophecy of Jesus and he said, My ears has thou punched. We did not teach the one that we can go ahead and look up for it. The one of our teachings. That ears have thou punched. Why did he say that? Because that is what happens to a born servant. And let me tell you, we are not just here to come and have a fantasy of new creation. We are not just here to come and have an excitement of sonship. We are not just here to come and have a, a fanfare of children. No, we are also here to carry out the duty of the suffering slaves. If all that God needed was children that would have no responsibility, He should have made sure that when they get born again, they go straight to heaven. I cannot say the the, the 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 desire of every father is that his child grows up to start carrying out responsibilities. It's the desire of every father and every mother is that their children grow up to start carrying out duties. When the child does duties. It doesn't make him less a child. I get what I'm saying. See, the beauty about this kingdom is that when we stand in our place of family as 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 um, as legal ones that have been brought into the family of God, we stand at heads and join heads with Christ. But when it comes to duty, 
we stand as slaves. But it doesn't still make us less of his. <laughs> and doesn't make us less of children of God and sons of God. So being a slave of Christ does not mean that you are no longer a child of God. Being a slave of Christ does no longer mean that you are no longer in joint here with Christ. If you say being a slave of Christ has removed you from the list of children of God, then you will say by Jesus hanging on the cross, he removed him from being a son of God. Are you not saying? Now, every other time Jesus said, and Jesus said, I am the Father one, my Father walked it, that's why I walked it. He kept on calling all through his walk on the earth, and three and a half, or at least three and a half years of ministry, he kept on calling the Father, my Father, the Father, my Father, the Father. But the first time he called him God was on the cross. Eloi, Eloi, la max abatani. I called my God, 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 forsake me. Why? Because at that point, he was not relating to him as son, he was relating to him as what? Slave. My God, God is a title, as it were, master of the world. My master, my master. But yet, it didn't make him less a son. Until you understand the, 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 the unity in sonship and slavery, we will not understand who we are in the family of God. And you know what I'm The power of unity in sonship and slavery is what Jesus used. And the Bible says he gave him a name that is above every other name. And the mention of him was just every Asia. Well, because he knew when he was working as a son. And he knew when he had to work as a, as a slave. Some of us just want to be children forever. What I mean is that we don't even know when we have to enter into slave mode. You know what I'm saying? There's slave mode, but the fact that you enter slave mode does not mean you are not still a son. Are you getting me? Some of us just want to wear the authority every time. We just want it our way every time. You see, one of the proof of sweeping and maturity is when you always want it your way. Even Jesus knew in Gethsemane that at this point, my will will not work. Say, <laughs> my Lord. All things are possible. He said, Tell you, God, who you God was. <laughs> Jesus didn't pray like man at that point in time. He was praying as man, not as God. Are you getting it? He was praying as man, not as God. Because we are the ones who remind ourselves when we are praying to God. Lord, with you, all things are possible. God has not forgotten that all things are possible with you. God has not forgotten that He's not We have to remind ourselves as if we always say, You are higher than that. We are reminding ourselves. God, God knows who he is. And you know what I'm saying? Praise God. And so he had to pray as man at that point. And by that point of prayer, he had to decline man's will for the will of the Father to spread. Now when every time our will is declined, we are entered into the status of slaves. We say, Lord, that will be done. We are entered into slave mode. Because the slave has no will. But you see, that is the mode that Christians hate the most. We don't like it. We don't like it. That's why we don't understand what it means to serve God. Because serving God means I don't have a choice. <laughs> serving God actually means I don't have a will. And Bishop Dad said, he said, some of us, we are here because we know we don't have a choice. 
In fact, I mean, he said, I think one that felt that if I don't do this work of the Lord, I'm not afraid that I will die. God is not threatening you, no, but you know that at that point you don't have a choice. If you don't do it, our lives will be real. You may not die physically, but you may die in one way or the other. Your life, in your life will not just fulfill the purpose it was called to fulfill. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. Are we together? Yes. So Jesus on the cross, he, he, he stood as what? The suffering servant, when the Christ is finished. Now, um, this is what we do by duty. Are you getting what I'm saying? By duty, we are slaves of Christ. And we see this truth in the way the first apostles addressed and introduced themselves. See, I don't understand. This was the way the first apostles introduced themselves. And I don't know why we're having a problem with introducing ourselves in this way. They had a line of duty mentality. Are you getting me? That's not the first apostles really introduced themselves. Paul introduced himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul is servant of Jesus Christ. Peter introduced himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Simon Peter is servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. James introduced himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. James chapter 1 verse 1. James is servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude introduced himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Jude chapter 1 verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Timothy was introduced as a servant of Jesus Christ. Philip, Philemon chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, the servant of Jesus Christ. So we can see that these men were not, about us, not ashamed of the gospel. We don't understand. He was trying to say, I'm not ashamed to be addressed as a servant of Jesus. This is the greatest of my life. To be called a servant of Jesus, a slave of Jesus. That's the greatest. Some of us feel the greatest honor on earth in the line of duty is to be called sons of God. No! The greatest honor in the line of duty is not to be called the son of God. The greatest honor in the line of duty is to be called the slave of God. The slave of Christ. How do soldiers get their honor? Where they can go and they can become what heroes on the battlefield. Is that not so? Some of them lose their lives, and that is why they what they call honor. And they are giving their 21 gunshot salute and every of them. They were ready to die for the cost of what? That mission that they were sent to do. That is, and by doing that, they were slaves to the mission that they, that they signed their life to. Now, this is what it entails in the line of duty. In the line of duty in, in God's kingdom, we take honor in being slave, not in being son. No soldier goes and pauses himself. Even the general on the battlefield, he has to keep shouting and keep moving. And he has to shoot. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Even the general in the battlefield is a soldier. Are you getting what I'm saying now? He's not a boss in the battlefield. Though he's giving command, but he's also shooting. We are commanding us, but today we have a set of Christians who only want to be bosses. We want to be sons of God, but we never want to be slaves of God. We want to give command, but we don't want to be commanded. We want to, to wear our influence and, and, and authority, but we don't want to shoot. We don't want to be able slaves in the line of duty. The real honor in duty is being slaves. Now, what is the mentality, the understanding, and the lifestyle of servants of Christ? As servants of Jesus, we know and understand, and we live as those who, number one, who are owned and controlled by Jesus. First, we do not have our own will because we have given up our will to Him. Are you not saying? 
We know, we understand, and we live as those who are controlled by Jesus. Why? Because we don't have a will any longer. Now, as a result of this, we do only the will and the bidding of our owner, even when our will wants to do otherwise. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. That's the first thing we need to understand. As servants of Jesus, we don't have no will any longer. If we are still having wills, then we are not his servant yet. And what we have today in the church is a bunch of babies who are crying their will. Lord, give me. Lord, give me. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. And nobody cares about the will of the one who owns them. Because we don't yet see him as our owner. Somebody said, until Jesus becomes your Lord, he cannot be your Savior. Some of us wanted to be our Savior, but they wanted to be our Lord. And the word Lord is what is used by servant to call their master. So we call him Lord, but we don't understand for him to be our Lord, we are actually slaves. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Messiah. No, remove that one. Just accept it as it as Because when you say you are saying as your Lord, that means you are told to be a slave. And then you have lost your will. Same way Jesus submitted and did the will of his father, even when his human will tried to make him do otherwise against somebody, we must submit and do the will of our father, even when our human will want us to do otherwise. Some of us are not here because this is what we will. Some of us are here because this is what he wills. <laughs> Matthew 14, verse 36. Jesus says, and he said, Our Father, you see, in Gethsemane, he was, he was talking to him as Father. But when he reached cross, the teaching from Father to my God, he had entered into full slave mode. In Gethsemane, he was still son of man and son of God because he was praying the will of man and acting as son of God. And, and also exercising his, 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 his ability to ask his Father as what? Well, as son of God. Are you know what I'm saying? But on the cross, full mode, slave mode. Says, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this come from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what I will. So, as servants of Jesus, we understand and, 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 and we know and understand and live as those who are owned and controlled by Jesus. Number two, we, we understand, we know and live as those who were bought by Jesus with the price of his blood, which is his life. So, we are his property. We know, we understand that we are bought by Jesus. And the price he used to buy us was what? His blood, which is his life. The Bible says the life of the living is in the blood, the book of Leviticus. First Corinthians 6, verse 20, and first Corinthians 7, verse 23 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye servants of men. That's why I'm not a servant to any man. I was bought with a price, and a servant to the one who bought me. Are you not saying? We understand that he purchased us with his blood. So he owns us. We don't own ourselves. Are you not saying? If you still save my life, if you still have a life, after getting giving your life, after allowing him to purchase you, then there's something wrong. It's my life. There's something wrong. Next thing is that we 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 know, we understand that we live as those who were ransomed from the devil, from death, and from hell by Jesus. So he paid the price for our freedom with his life. Mark chapter 10, verse 4, the Bible says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. First Timothy 2, verse 6 says, Who gave himself a ransom for all? 
to be testified in due time. So he purchased us. Our freedom is based on his, his, his blood. And it is in the confines of his blood. When a master purchases a slave from another slave master, that slave is free from that other master, but in bondage to this new master. So our freedom from the devil is confined to the limits of the will of Jesus. <laughs> so you think that Jesus bought you from the devil for you to start living your real life? <laughs> for you to not say, I have my life. For you to start living life anyhow. No, 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 no. He bought you from the devil so you live to his dictates. And if you're not set to live to his dictates, then go back to the devil. And you know what I'm saying? So as servants of Jesus Christ, we also know and understand that we have this mentality. We have no freedom. And our owner Jesus can do with us whatever he wants. He can do with us as he wills, and we cannot object. I will not be ready for this. This freedom mentality that we are having, you are in Christ, yet you want to be free from Christ. <laughs> you have a mental distortion. You are in Christ, but you want to be free from Christ. I don't understand. If you are choosing freedom from Christ, then you are, you are choosing bondage to the devil. If you are in Christ, you must be in bounds. And the Bible says, I am in bounds for the sake of the gospel. The bounds of talking about is not just the one in prison. Then it says to me, it says, for the, for the love of God constraineth me. Um, 
sorry, there, there was a particular uh, comment I saw somebody reading and was like, people were asking for spiritual gifts, compared spiritual gifts, and the person said, it was not there so spiritual gifts. And there was something somebody went there saying, don't forget something. First Corinthians 14, it talks about the spiritual gifts. It says, the Holy Spirit is, uh, is, is the one who gives somebody. He said, no matter how much you convert, you see the one who will give you what he wants to give you. He knows what is important for the ministry. If you like convert here and there, he said, for him, he was converting what they call the revelation gift, what they call prophetic, to call names, call and everything. He converted it, he prayed for it, prayed for it. He said, after all the prayers and converting, what he ended up getting was healing gift. He said, even if, to what he prays for the sick, the sick was getting healed. He said, for that prophetic gift, he refused to even come. Will you go and call it the Holy Spirit? Say, the Holy Spirit is the one I wanted. I hear what I'm saying. There's some people say, I've been praying for this nation, for God to take that man. Please, please, what's the matter? You just pray that we be done and open yourself to his will. You don't make choices here. He makes a choice. And you have you have, you have, you have so devoted yourself to him and you, you have no regards for your own interests. Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul speaks, said, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No that was my life, oh, is Christ. If I die, is gain. So no that was, I don't have a life. I don't have a life. As, as long as we still have lives, we are still having an issue with being slaves of Christ. That's what kingdom service is all about. When you still have a life, you cannot serve God. You can't serve God. When you still have a choice in life, you cannot serve God. When you start serving God, you have relinquished all your choices. You have no regards for your interest. In fact, at the point, you will have no regard for your life. I got thinking, I was like, since 2017, since 2017, I've only seen my parents for two weeks. For two weeks. For two weeks. My elder brother passed on 2020. I didn't see him after that week for a pastor. He was buried, I've not seen him. And I'm here still teaching and preaching. And in the teaching and preaching, I know the pains I'm still going through. And some people, some people think that we just enjoy doing this thing. No, some people think that it's just our desire. Sometimes I tell pastor I want to travel. She said, what do you want to travel to London? I said, you can't see my parents. He said, you think it's only you want to see your parents. I was talking to my parents and they were like, we are missing you. The way, the way you want to see is like, we are testing for, we are testing for water. I said, it's the same thing here. You think I don't just want to go? I don't just carry kind of, okay. But I was thinking of okay, maybe next I'll come and look at next test case is already choked up. Already choked up. And we have, we have to preach. We have to preach. We have to teach the word of God. Praise God to the Lord. Hallelujah. And then the next thing we need to understand about um, our mentality as servants of Christ is that we are those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Are we together? We are those whose service is used by Christ in doing what? In extending and advancing his cause among men. You see, let me tell you one truth. God can do it by himself, but he needs men. And he calls men to do the work. You see, let me tell you, some of some people are saying there are no apostles anymore. And the word apostle is from the Greek word apostolos, which means someone that is sent. So, and Jesus said to the man, he said, I, I, I sent you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Go here and preach the gospel. And by extension, he sent everyone of us. So, everyone who gets born again is sent to advance the gospel of Christ. So, everyone technically is an apostle. 
we are all been sent to advance the cause of prayer. And that is the servant, the slave mentality, the animal assignment. You see, anybody who, any child of God doesn't want to be a servant mentality is not a servant of God. It's an influence. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a what they call it, caravanta. It's just caravanta. And you get what I'm saying? It's just caravanta. And let me tell you, you did not get born again to caravanta. You don't get born again to stroll and to waste time on it. We are on assignment here. That's why I tell you, if I'm not working, I am resting. There's no that time again for you thing. Are you getting me? There's nothing like time to waste. Why? Because the son of the slave mentality is I'm on assignment. I'm here to advance. Have you ever seen any slave who just went and said, I came to gist. I, 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 I went to my favorite slave. My neighbors, my, my, my neighbors, my, 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 my boss's friend. I went to meet the slaves who are spending time and chilling out to gist. Hey, please. There are two things involved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Any slave who said, um, I just needed a vacation and I just told my my boss and my lord I need a vacation and I uh, uh, just want to travel uh, travel where? In the line of duty. See, the truth about it is that when you walk for a physical boss, yes, you can take a vacation. But when we are working for this master, our Lord Jesus, there is no vacation. His body is like his joke, he sees it, but there's no vacation. We preach on you. <laughs> the problem is like when you see when there's no vacation. You know, I was I was in, in uh, my dream the other house of this morning. I, I saw myself, I was talking with Anki Trambabu, and he was ministering and he talked about Israel. And he said, in Israel, oh if you want to when 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 he when he left a, a, a good uh, leader in Samuel, and they got a tax master leader in Saul. Amen to Jesus. And I forgot to read paraphrases, and the word kept ringing in my in my stream. And I think I was laughing when he said it. I was laughing. The word was ringing in my dream, and I woke up that it kept ringing. Now I said that even in the dream we are still working. The body is light, but the yoke is what. Easy. I'm just sitting with Akita. <laughs> Are you getting me? So he uses us to advance his course here. So we are not here to carry out our agenda. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to say something, we are not doing anything for ourselves here. We are doing his beatings. See, Christians who still have the mindset of I want to do something for myself, you are not yet a slave of Christ. Is seemingly done for yourself, it's not for yourself, it's for him. I always tell people, I say, the reason why God gives me resources for me to be able to preach without begging, without pressure. That's why he gives me resources. Whatever, if you, as a Christian, you are getting resources, so you travel abroad, you have a vacation, you go and shop, you chill out, you ask, hey, there's something wrong there. The purpose of resources is for the advancement of the cause of Jesus. Everything we have is for the advancement of the cause of Jesus here on earth. That is a slave mentality. So you cannot have anything. You cannot own anything. You are only a steward. As Rodney Howard Brown says, own nothing, steward everything. 
That's the slave. That's the mentality we have here. We own nothing. We do what? We still want everything. Why? Because we have been sent by Jesus to advance his cause here on earth. Romans chapter 1 verse 1, Paul speaking, he says, Paul is Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And is he not called to be sent to one? Then separated, sanctified, to be what? Unto the gospel of God. See, until this mentality dawns on us, we will not understand the grace of same God. That's why, you see, since I've been talking, I've talked about benefits. Does the slave serve for benefits? <laughs> In fact, the slave serves because his life is on the land without service. This master has bought me from another master. I better serve in my life. In fact, when I was coming on, on, on stage in the early Bible time, I discovered that some of them even sold themselves as slaves for better standard of living. <laughs> because their standard of living now was below below. Ah, is it that understanding is what the prodigal son had? Ah, my father has servants. And the servants are living large. Ah, and look at what I'm living here. Let me go and better sell myself to my father as a servant again. Not as a son now, but as a servant. Are you not saying? They were slaves who sold themselves to masters and servants so they can just have a better standard of living. Now, when you sell yourself to a master for a better son, do you have a choice at that point in time? Some of us don't understand the manner of what Jesus did for us. The blood he shed for, for, for our sins, his precious price he paid. He paid the price of his life to purchase us. Along we are doing this, Lord, he shall serve the Lord thy God, and he shall bless them. Lord, I serve you, bless you. Hey! You would have been doomed if he didn't pay the price. We can hold that for chapter 23, verse 25, and that, and, and that will be seven. But we don't understand what it means to be a slave of Christ. It's a privilege to be a slave of Christ. Otherwise, you will have been doomed on your way to eternal damnation. If God does nothing for you again, you owe him your life. If God does nothing for me again, I owe him my life. Have you seen a servant who was meant to be killed and then another master bought him off? What will he do? That is the best scenario to explain who we are. We're meant to be destroyed by the devil. We're meant to be killed. But Jesus brought us over. And some of us are still claiming right, even as Jesus brought us over. We are still trying to oppress God, even as Jesus, oppress our master, Jesus over. See, I'm a serving Lord. Show me the proof of service. Oh my God. Lord! Make my mockers. Make them ashamed. My brother, if you were not even purchased, we even know what they call mockers. If you were not purchased, you would have not had a hope. Let there be no more casa. It's a privilege I purchased you. You will be serving with our life. See, the understanding of slavery is 
that so long as my master keeps me alive, it is worth giving him my life. So long as my master keeps me alive, I have a privilege to be alive like him. You see, and you know what? Eliezer was the, was the, was the, was the chief slave of Abraham, and he was trusted slave, and he put everything under the care of the There were slaves in, that, in, in the old times where there was a kind of slave that they had grown so much that even the master would take them as his own son. Are you getting me? And then that's why and, and, and Abraham told the Lord, he said, what will you give to me? See that I have no son, and I shall see that I go challenged. And this Eleazar of Damascus is the only one that will likely be my heir. The one he said, what will you give me? It is a who you give me. Because at this point in time, the only, the, the only thing that the only hope I have is a what? Eliezer is a what? Because servants were regarded as non-entity. They were not regarded as human beings. As I studied what I saw that they were, they were even more regarded as human beings. They were regarded less than beasts. So they could be killed and be, could, be, could, be, could be just trampled on and used anyhow. That's why I said, what will you give me? Because look at the only hope, the only hope, the only hope I have for continuity of my wealth is a what? You know, you know, you know the who. You know what I say. You know what I say. You know who. You classify them as what? Say, what will you give me? You have to give me a what that will counter this one because I'm not even hoping for a child now. Okay, if you think that Leasa cannot go for my hair, then give me another. <laughs> Maybe it's a foster hair. Then he said, but the other three aliens are not. Are you getting what they grew to a level where their masters could trust them. Remember Joseph when he was taken uh, by Potiphar? He, he trusted, trusted him so well. He said, I commit everything in this house to accept my wife. And he didn't And for Joseph, so long as I have my life, I'm okay. And he cannot say, You see, most of us, we don't know that as servants of God, what is most important to us is that we have, God has given us a life in Him. He has given us His life. And so long as He has given us His life, that's the most important thing. Praise God forevermore. In view of the above truth, we can deduce and conclude that number one, we do not serve God for benefits. Is that also? We do not serve God for benefits. We serve God because He purchased us and it's our duty and reasonable service to serve. Are we together? So not serving God is what? An unreasonable service. We don't serve God for benefits. This benefit-oriented Christianity, I don't know where we got it from. We don't serve God for benefits. Yes, we are sons of God. We are sons of the house. Praise God, friend of God. Yes, and what is in the house belongs to us. But let me tell you, any normal child in the house does not need to cry before the parent gives him food. Is that not so? The parents know their responsibility is to feed the children, is to feed their children, clothe them, school them, accommodate them. Are you getting what I'm saying? And God is not an irresponsible father. The Lord Jesus is not an irresponsible master. Are you getting what I'm saying? He knows his responsibility. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of this. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's not an irresponsible father. He knows he's to clothe you. He knows he's to feed you. He said, Look at the foxes, sparrows in the, in the, in the, in the air. He says, No one who, 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 who uh, uh, Farm, neither do they, do they, do they go out and, 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 and fetch your food. He said, But my heavenly father, Mr. I said, Look at the grasses that they are today, and tomorrow they are cut off. He says to my heavenly father, Lord, he clothes them. He said, that If my father can take care of every disease, will he not be more mindful about you? The father is not an irresponsible. 
responsible father. Uh, he knows he has to take care of you. Uh, he knows you your needs. Uh, he knows you have to be fed. Uh, he knows you have to be clothed. Uh, he knows you have to be schooled. Uh, he knows you need an accommodation. Uh, he knows you need a life. Uh, and he's well responsible to take care of you. You don't need to cry for your right as a child of God. You don't need to cry for what is meant to be your, 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 your inheritance as a child of God. No, you don't cry for that. Your father knows you need it. So, beginning to cry for it means that there is something wrong. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting me? When we begin to cry for our inheritance, it means that there is something wrong. The prodigal son asked for his inheritance before time because there was something wrong with him. Are you getting me? When we serve God for benefits, it means that we don't understand our place as sons of God and our place as servants of God. And it's a serious dilemma. And that's what the church is facing today. As a child of God, you don't need to, you don't need to pray for God to give you what is yours. As a servant of God, you do not serve Him for benefits. So if you are not praying and serving for benefits, then you have lost your place as a child of God and as a servant of God. You have lost your place as a son of God and as a servant. And that's what is happening to the church today. We use benefits to attract people to sell. See, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to market people. I don't know how to sell. I'm not a good seller. I did a selling job. I did a marketing job, but I'm not a good seller with my mouth. So, I remember once I went to sell the product to somebody and he told me, come and convince me. I said, I just told you to come and pay. And the pastor, I didn't come to convince you. So when I said, I didn't come to, I just came to give an opportunity. If you take it to your business, you don't take it to your business. <laughs> I don't know. Some people don't like me. I talk, it's me. Why should I sell your, your future to you? That would say, buy wisdom and sell, and sell it not. You are the one to buy it. I should not cajole you to get what is yours. No. So if we are still serving God for benefits, it means that we don't know our place as sons, and we don't know our place as servants. So we don't know our place in the family of God, and we don't know our place as men of duty. With <laughs> the Lord here. Amen. So serving God is a reasonable service, and not serving Him is an unreasonable service. Now, we can also conclude that what service is an act of appreciation, is an act of reverence, and an act of worship to God for buying us from the devil and death. Yeah. It's an act of appreciation, reverence, and worship to God for buying us from the devil and death. See, I am teaching the word of God today. This is just how I can appreciate God for buying me from the devil and from death. Are you getting what I'm saying? He called me to teach and to preach the gospel. Yes, I am doing it because I'm appreciating him for, for buying me from the devil and from He can make your choice of what you want to do, but I've made my choice. This is an understanding I have. Next, is that service is our reciprocate act of love to God. Thus, using his love in us to love him in return for ransoming us. It's a reciprocate act of what? Love to God. Using his love in us to love him back for ransoming us. Could we ransom ourselves? No. This is just the way we can love him. By going on the line of duty. Spending and this apostle Paul understood it. He said, Christ came to save sinners, of which I am most chief. <laughs> For him to call it a chief sinner, 
That's why I said we are, we are stayed and we stayed for the gospel. You know that someone made him stay himself because he knew that this Jesus came to save a sinner. I'm not just a man, I'm a chief sinner. I remember when I held the clothes of those who were stoning Stephen and I said, keep stoning, keep stoning. I remember when I was holding Christians from Damascus, from different places to Jerusalem for them to be, to be tried and then they were jailed. I remember that for saving me. Saving me is just the least I can do. Amen. And then it just makes us understand that service is our unpayable debt we owe God for ransoming us. It's our what? Unpayable debt we owe God for ransoming us. We can never pay it in totality, but we just keep paying it. Why am I teaching? I can't pay this debt, but just doing something to just tell him, I appreciate you. Amen? Are we together? See, this is the conclusions we have to have as we serve God. If not, we'll just lose our place as sons and as servants. We'll lose our place as sons and slaves. And some of us are so result-driven. And before you know, God will begin to tell you, you have discovered me before me. <laughs> that will be a portion in Jesus' name. Amen. That was what ended Moses' journey. Result, result, result. You have dishonored me before me. Result came, but you dishonored me before me. When this understanding is our understanding in service, I'm telling you, we would, 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 would never be satisfied with serving the Lord. We don't understand what Apostle Paul says. We are spared. And we spared. We are really spending our resources now. We are not spending ourselves. And then he said, I'm ready to be poured as a dream. You don't understand the magic of those words. It is the understanding of a slave, not a coat, a light driven and a benefit driven child. No, no, no. Not a baby. Today we have a lot of babies who are looking for benefits. The baby. It's the understanding. And until that understanding hits us, I'm telling you, the church cannot, cannot climax at her zenith. And then, God in return gives us benefits and rewards us for saving because He loves us. Praise God forevermore. He loves us, that's why he gives us return. Not because we save him, but because he loves us. Are you not saying? Yes. But God does not bless us because we save him. God does not give us benefit because of him. He blesses us because he loves us. He gives us benefit because he loves us. Are you not saying? The Bible says if he could give us Jesus, what then can he not give to us? He says, can he be told any good thing from us if he could give us Jesus? Because we said in the Old Testament, Exodus about 23 verse 25, that says, Just send another God, shall bless the person and all that. In the Old Testament, it was God gives to us on the basis of what we have done. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. But in the New Testament, God gives to us on the basis of what Jesus has done. And so in the New Testament, God gives to us on the grounds of his love. John 3 16, for God so loved the world. God does not bless us because we serve him. God blesses us because we love him. And we serve him. 
that's the least we can do. So let me tell you something. If you shock it to know that even if you don't serve God, God can still bless you. That was the real force of the just and the unjust. God can still bless you. And you know what I'm saying? He can still bless you. Because you don't do you don't have anything, it you don't have what it takes to walk to Are you getting me? Yeah. But God blesses us because of his love for us. Not because of our service. But we serve him because we have peace understanding of who he is, of who we are, and what we have done for us. This means that the focus of our service is not the benefits we get from serving God. Rather, it is his love for us. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, God loves us. And then, in response to his love, we serve him. The Bible is speaking about the bond servant. This is what he does. He says, after a man serves for seven years, uh, for, uh, uh, for seven years, he gets to the, the, the jubilee year. And then in the jubilee year, what happened in the seventh year, every uh, master is supposed to let his servant go. Now he says, if the servant says, because in the course of his service, his master gave him a wife and children, and if he has to leave them, then, if he has to leave his master, he will leave the wife and the children and be slaves. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if the master, the, the, uh, in the seventh year, the servant says, I love my boss. No one, he loves his boss. Because the boss took care of him. It, he showed him love. And he even gave him a wife. And he now had children. Ah, what am I doing again? He says, if he says, I love my boss. And I also love my wife and my children. So I cannot leave my boss. Now, the master will carry him to the, to the, to the council. And before the council, he would profess before the council that he has chosen to be a bond servant to his word, master. And by making that choice, what happens? When he makes that choice, every of the council member says, okay, this is accepted. So what do they do? They, 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 they pour a hole. His master pours a hole. In, in agriculture, it's called tagging. He pours a hole in his ear. And he now becomes what? He punches the whole his ear and he now becomes what? A bone servant to his master. You know what I'm saying? Now, this understanding of bone servanthood is what every child of God is meant to have. My master, I was a nobody. If I made my, my I was meant to die, he bought me. He took care of me. He now made me a better person. And then he gave me a wife, he gave me a child. What else can I do? Why do I need to go outside to look for another life? Let me just keep serving. This is the mentality we have to have as children of God. This is the mentality we have to have as servants of the Lord Christ. He bought us. He purchased us. We should have been doomed. With his own precious blood, he purchased us. Why should I go outside? Let me just serve him with all my life. And the more I serve him, it's just my way of telling him, I appreciate you. I cannot pay you back for paying my price. I couldn't purchase myself. You purchased me with your precious blood. This is my little way of saying thank you. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he said, He will not be intelligently seeking. In conclusion, when we focus on God's love for us as our basis of serving Him, we will see service as a privilege, as a blessing, and as a joy. Not as a right or as a job 
from which you require payment and reward. You see, most of us have this reward mentality that has to be job. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's not service to God. It's not reward for a job well done. No. <laughs> no. It's actually a privilege and a blessing. It's a privilege and a blessing. Due to this, whether we get the benefits or not, nothing will ever deter us from serving God. And we together. Understand service as a as a blessing, a privilege, and a joy. Whether in quote we get benefits or not, nothing will deter us from serving God. Why? Because we cannot pay this debt of love He gave to us. He showed us too much love that with our whole life, even if we have it, even if we have eternity, till eternity, we cannot pay this debt. We cannot love Him in return. So our service to Him. He's just telling him, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. And let me let you understand something. God loves you more than we love you. <laughs> In fact, your love is just a reciprocal act of his love. Your love is actually using his love in you to try to do something in return. And I tell you, his love for you is beyond words can tell. He's a responsible father. Yes. A responsible slave. Rise up on your feet. I want to just, I don't know who's under the sound of my voice here. You've not been Jesus, you're not a personal savior. 2021 is about coming to a close. That's the best decision you can make before the year comes to close. Just say this prayer after me. And then we can go into appreciating God. And then pray. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died on Calvary Street. You shed your blood to take away my sin. And to redeem me and ransom me from the devil and hell. Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I make you my Lord and personal Savior. I choose to serve you and follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for everyone who has made this prayer. Thank you for receiving them to be loved. Thank you for granting them the grace to serve and follow the days of your lives. We glorify Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus. Now, we're going to just pray one prayer. Lord, I receive, with this understanding, I receive grace to serve you, Jesus. In 2022, I will serve you like never before. Thanks for listening, we hope you've been blessed by this teaching. Kindly share your testimonies with us at chumdiohahunaministry at gmail.com.